Hello, and welcome to DevOps Voices for thought-provoking and best-in-class DevOps conversations brought to you by DASA, the DevOps Agile Skills Association. Explore a countless number of videos, white papers, and webinars on the best practices for DevOps journeys, and learn the essence of developing high-performing DevOps teams at DASA's website. Visit devopsagileskills.org. And now, your host, Dimitri Vandenbroek. Hello, everybody, and welcome to DevOps Voices. Today, we're joined by Dimitri, the writer. Dimitri is a partner at Ideas at Work and uh, is an expert in agile transformations and digital transformations. Dimitri, welcome. Welcome, Dan. Welcome. Dimitri is also one of the first uh, DASA DevOps coaches um, and DASA DevOps coach trainers. And as we speak, he's also hosting a virtual uh, DASA coach training in the Netherlands with nine learners from all over Europe. And last week, he uh, kicked off the first virtual uh, session of this program. So in this episode of DevOps Voices, uh, we'd like to explore with Dimitri why uh, DevOps coaches are so important to organizations. Uh, what makes one a great DevOps coach? And how can you overcome the difficulties and challenges as a coach in today's world where most of the interactions are actually happening uh, online or remote? So I'm also looking forward to hearing how your DASA DevOps coach class is doing. Dimitri, thanks again for joining today's podcast and um, tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself uh, and your coaching experience. Yeah, Dim, thank you. Um, the, uh, the class that we're running uh, at the moment, uh, we have the second session today. Um, the online class, uh, we have 10 actually, uh, 10 people uh, have joined. Uh, good set of experiences, nicely different. And not only different from a uh, the different kind of jobs they have or ages, we have people ranging from 30 to 60, but also different cultures. From Finnish customs to freelancers um, to people working for companies like Fujitsu. Um, the main interest that they're having is not the tool thing. Many mm -hmm. people think that DevOps is around tools. Yeah, of course, DevOps tools are enablers, but it won't make it successful. The, the element that we're working on is the mindset change, the cultural change, the way we work together, the things we believe in. Um, and one of the important aspects there is um, the focus that data is having, not on the tools, because mm -hmm. who with the tool is still a fool, right? But okay. it's really on the behaviors and knowledge and skills and the cultural element, the cultural elements of values, but also prohibitions um, of uh, myths and stories that we share, um, of the space of ideas, of the space of vulnerability and safety. Mm -hmm. um, maybe back to where we met, but that's what, 25 years ago uh, at a German software company. Still there, it is the stories we share of what we did there, of what that was. 
Mm -hmm. uh, last year, I had my 30 years anniversary a reunion back with the people that I started with from yeah. all over the world. We still share the stories yeah. of what the, what was so special about it, what made everybody cling together. Um, and it's this that with DASA's focus on skills and knowledge, mm -hmm. on the organizational and cultural and the team in the center. And when you look at team, team is about people. Right. To succeed as a, because that's also part of your question, to succeed as a DAVA, DASA that DevOps coach, as anyway, as a coach, this all around change. Still in balance with performance, but it's about change. You cannot make people change. You can help them change. But only if you're truly interested in the other's person, in the other person's change, in their growth, in who they are. And if you're not, then it becomes about you. And that won't make the difference. It needs to be about them. Mm -hmm. The individual and the teams and the teams of teams. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is about. This is not about, uh, again, tooling or automation or engineering. It's about people. And can you learn someone to be interested in the other or is that are you born like that i mean if it's that important i mean okay uh, great question great question um it is something that of course can come with the years mm -hmm. uh you can be born with it you can learn something you can um and yet it needs to become authentic mm -hmm. if it's authentically you then you can have a much bigger impact. Yeah. And this is something, being a coach, yeah. um, in this space, you do need to have the affinity with the space. You mm -hmm. cannot only be um, coaching people. You need to understand what IT is about, but also what modern IT is about. If you do not comprehend that modern IT, in effect, is a manufacturing outfit, and manufacturing and maintenance, uh, outfit organization that produces and maintains um, value streams uh, and have a continuous delivery of value to customers in the form of software. Right. Um, if you do not understand that, if you have not worked in that, if you do not what do not have any knowledge of theories of constraint or anything like that, uh, and you're not interested in people, you won't succeed. No, That's I, yeah, I'm also, so I had a conversation uh, last week about, um, I mean, I mean uh, there was a research about what DevOps transformation coaches earn in the US. And uh, I mean, for European standards, I mean, I think it's quite high. It was between $230,000 and $400,000 on a contract per year. And when I spoke to someone about it, I mean, we also made a remark like, I mean, it should not be your key driver. I mean, and getting back to your point, I think it's all about having a genuine interest in supporting individuals. And, and that should be, I think, your core, your core driver. Well, it's interesting to make. 
money and a good good amount of money but it, it's it's probably the most important thing i mean that's what i hear from your message as well yeah, yeah. the then on that one uh, money is a short-term satisfier when you have it you want more when you have more you want even more yeah yeah how did you start in your coaching role i mean how did you became an agile coach initially or a business coach i mean tell me about your history i mean how did it how did you um i've always been active in sports and mm -hmm. training and coaching field hockey teams in my case um i have two boys at home uh that i helped grow um, I have friends around me uh, that I, I work with on a work and uh, not work relationship. Um, and at a certain moment in time, you find that that is what makes you tick. Um, many people also ask me, when was your first time with Agile? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it goes back to a project, uh, thinking about it a bit, a project I did uh, in, uh, I think, 1994 with Apple Europe. Um, and there was no buy-in with the business. The, I, the project was not delivering any, anything really. There was a lot of pressure from the US to do it their way. Um, management didn't want to, uh, a lot of resistance. And we started to tell them every two weeks somewhere in Europe, what we did in the past two weeks, what we've created and built, and ask them what they thought about it, whether it's useful and what they are looking for. And that took, I think, half a year um, to get their buy-in and con continuously do this. Invite them to join, invite them for input and show that we did something with it, to take them seriously. And that brought a rhythm, not build a big blueprint, but you know, oh, you're looking for this, like that. Yes, like that. Okay, cool. Now next, what, what are you looking for next? Um, was it called Agile? I wasn't aware, at least. Uh, was it called Scrum? It may have been around, I don't know. Um, but that's what we started doing. And I've started using that with many more of my projects afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and since uh, roughly 2000, I've been working as a freelance interim manager. And I've worked on building teams out of people, whether it was in a marketing team, or whether it was a sales organization, a pan-European sales organization, or IT guys. Um, and in the last couple of years, it's been um, all around the view from the perspective of the customer yeah. um, to deliver value, which for me, as I have a background in supply chain management, is nothing new, right? Um, th that way of thinking has been around in manufacturing product work yeah. world for decades. Right. Lean is not something really new. Supply chain thinking, process thinking, uh, theory of constraints is not something new. But we're now looking at applying it to IT. Right. Mm -hmm. IT is still a relatively young yeah. space. What, let's say 40, 50 years old, no more, right? I had reported uh, something in automotive about 100 years ago. But in times of 
speed of change is a lot younger. Right. So, and, and, and if you look at the, uh, the various roles, I mean, and, and I looked at your resume a bit on LinkedIn, I also see you, I mean, in over, I mean, in your career also uh, had many roles, uh, being scrum master, I mean, uh, coaching, I mean, you're now training other experts, becoming a DevOps coach. I mean, where do you see the overlap? Um, can you share your perspective on the demarcation of the various roles? Well, actually, a true Scrum Master mm -hmm. can be very close to what DevOps coaching is about. But then mm -hmm. you have a true Scrum Master as Scrum is basically telling or saying or promoting it to be. However, it's still a development framework. Yeah. Yeah. It's an operational component. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the different stances that a Scrum Master can take, they're very close to that of a DevOps coach, only its space is wider. Yeah. Um, Agile and DevOps complement each other nicely. Um, Scrum is the most powerful, most adopted framework um, because also it's lightweight. Uh, and at the same time, it's hard to master. Yeah. True DevOps, being a cultural thing, is hard to master as well. Um, if you look at the role of the project manager, mm -hmm. right, it still has value, but not in this space. When you have a more technical project where the requirements are very clear, building, it, constructing a building, an office building, it's specified from the beginning what it's supposed to be, then you get more project manager, it's more waterfall. Waterfall still has its space. Still has its space. Yeah. Not, not in the space of IT. Maybe in building IT service centers, uh, uh, um, computer centers, but not so much in, this, in the space of complex creative work. Mm -hmm. um, Less creative work is the space of people collaborating, and that's where uh, different personalities get together and um, different uh, capabilities get together. And you need them need to make them work together. So that's about the people. Right. Again, um, is it advantageous? Oh yeah. It's advantageous to see many sides of what commercial or non-commercial organizations uh, include. If you've not been on the business side, it's tough. You, it becomes tough. I advise everybody to go and work on the business side. If you're really in DevOps, go spend three months. If you're really serious about being here, go spend three months or even, let's say three months, working in a factory um, and figure out how materials flow there, at what points there are inventories and why inventory is there, decoupling points and processes, and how long. Hey, and, and Dimitri, on, I mean, back to the roles as well. So. Um, if you look at Scrum, primarily, let's say, dev focus, you think operations is also important. Can you share some examples? I mean, why and how 
this is that important. I mean, to, to have that in scope as well, because that's, I mean, what DevOps, what, what the promise of DevOps is, you know, it's having all the expertise and function throughout the uh, life cycle uh, in, in, in one team, so. Um, to create ownership mm -hmm. and pride mm -hmm. and trust, you mm -hmm. need to allow people to deliver beautiful things. Mm -hmm. Give them the space to do that. Yeah. Uh, we then come to the important role of leadership. I was having a conversation, I think last week, with somebody in HR. Yeah. And I said, listen, modern leadership includes servicing problems, revealing problems, not resolving them but building problem-solving power in the organization. Yeah. Because otherwise, you will make yourself, as a leader, the bottleneck that you want to take away. Yeah. Yeah. The organization at all its levels, at all its, its fines, uh, at all its being, need to build creative problem-solving yeah. power. Yeah. And as a leader, you are accountable for just that yeah. we're just helping them discover problems opportunities to grow opportunities to improve and help the organization become the problem solving superstars and that's linked to the autonomy i mean to the self-steering teams and getting having responsibility at the lowest possible levels i mean how yeah. would you who will be an HR person, do you mean? I mean, how would you measure a leader then to, I mean, what are the metrics, I mean, to to measure this kind of behavior for you as a leader to say, well, yes, I'm on the right way. I mean, what kind of metrics would you have to measure whether you're on the right track? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I need to think about that one a little bit. But it depends on the situation. There is no one way of DevOps. There is no one way of leadership. But yeah. it's all about um, if time to market is a, uh, um, a, an important metric for you. Right. Yeah. Think about relating key value metrics and how you influence them as a leader to that key value area. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So you build a bit. Metrics. Yeah, let the business objectives and, and and use that as a key metric, which makes yeah, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, if, innovate, if, if innovation power is a differentiating within your strategy, then re related to that. Excellent. And then we get to the question of what performance is. Mm -hmm. I have to say that many uh, leaders think of one type of performance only, tactical performance. Mm -hmm. Stick to the strategy. No, there also is another one which is called diverse. Use the creative power embedded in people mm -hmm. to figure out better ways, to figure out new ways. Yeah. They need not be better and only therefore relevant, they just need to be new. Um, and 
measure what you're doing there. Yet be aware that once you weaponize that data, weaponize it as in um, make it relevant to pay, right? Mm -hmm. you get what you pay for. So once you weaponize the data to get that and pay reward people for it, it's the end. So there needs to be both in performance, tactical performance as well as adaptive performance. You can not only have tactical performance because then it's limited. You're limiting the use of the brain power of the people. Actually, people that are executing the process, they know how to bypass it and make it easier, more effective, more efficient, quite better normally than the people who have thought up the process. As a leader, it's both. All side of the trades. Right. And 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 I don't want to talk a long time about the pandemic, but I mean, in your role as well as from master coach, I mean, supporting various teams, I mean, life must have changed, you know, I mean, can you explain a little bit about, you know, what are the key challenges and working more remotely, less face-to-face -face time? I mean, what were key obstacles and how did you perhaps solve them or address some of them? But let's start with what are your most, yeah, the key challenges you face or are still facing in today's world? In today's world, of course, with all the remote work, um, uh, all the online work, you're half blind. You don't see all the dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with listening twice as much as you talk. Mm -hmm. When you talk, ask questions to uncover things. Yeah. That's what. Um, uh, in the um, life 1.0, the real life where we would, we would sit together for this recording, um there um in coaching conversations you could walk with somebody to the coffee machine have a, a walk around town so i've introduced something else which i call the virtual walk and to talk mm -hmm. why Tell do me. i what do i do i take people away for a one-on-one -on -one conversation away from the desk outside away from kids that may be at home, away from reminders flying over their screen and them not being totally with me or me not being totally with them because you get distracted. Actually, get them away out of their chair and to move. Once you start moving, we put in a headset and we have a phone conversation. No video, just phone. So you really need to listen. So you don't knock on their doors, both of you exit your own houses and you do your individual walk. Yeah, I go outside here. I live in uh, close to the forest. I go for a walk. I do some, some days 30,000 steps a day because I have three or four of those conversations over an hour. Uh, and remember, I may be with uh, maybe in the north uh, uh, living on the beach side and taking yeah. a walk on the beach at the same time. But we're with each other listening to each other and talking um the virtual walk the talk wow. um so that is still uh people love it i just uh, uh had somebody saying dimi this is man we're only doing this now somebody joining you mm -hmm. 
I basically said, man, you, you give me focus with this. You give yeah. me clarity of direction. Yeah. I enjoy it because I'm outside when I'm talking yeah. to you. And this person lives in Amsterdam. Just goes to walk in Amsterdam downtown. Yeah. 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 Are there also advantages or of, of, of the remote thing or are there were you surprised that perhaps some of those interventions might even be more effective? Uh, I mean, let's. I want to talk about we address challenges, but I mean that could also be surprising. Yeah, positive effects of of, of, of this new way of working, life 2.0, as you stated. Yeah, had you asked me uh, three months ago. I would have said, you know what? Actually, it works yeah. as good as it did work three months before, before yeah. we had to go remote completely. Asking me now, mm -hmm. I have to say that um, continuing continuing with this over a longer period of time mm -hmm. will not be successful. The the benefits that it has. Um, are uh, um, the lack of personal contact does have its effect on yeah. team building, on connectivity between people, misunderstanding each other, particularly for those that have not. I have that situation with team members that have never met in real life, yeah. never ever, even though they live close to each other. Um, so I would say the best one would actually be something like a 50 50 split right yeah and in the office 50 percent not in the office um rotating day uh on day one team one on day two team two etc something like that and every week right yeah uh it saves office space a lot of blessed investment there right mm -hmm. and people need to have the situation at home we need yeah. to facilitate that. We need to facilitate whole working space. Um, I'm in a luxury situation that I do have it, but many people do, do not. Mm -hmm. and on, on the other hand, I have somebody who was living in a small apartment in Amsterdam, no kids. Mm -hmm. He's now working from Crete in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. No change, no difference. Yeah, no. Interesting, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Well, your statement is, I mean, continuing this way, I mean, it will have an impact. It will not be as successful, and yeah, yeah. Ideally, we have to, if yeah, fifty-fifty uh, split would be uh, an interesting one yeah, or important one. It's not dropping no. in a short period of time. No. It's gliding slowly. Yeah. And this yeah. look like it, we will only notice that it, it is not good enough anymore once we're there. Yeah. So we better it, not think a bit ahead and say, yeah. okay, what can we do yeah. today? We can still do a lot, even with social distance. Yeah. Final question, Dimitri. It's very interesting, and I'm convinced we can talk for, for hours and have many more questions to you. But related to this, I mean, if you compare new joinees, you know, fresh folks from universities and, and 
compared with the, let's say, uh, the more elderly uh, age brackets, I mean, is there a difference there? Could or would the younger folks be able to work better in this more remote, distant thing than, than yeah, the more mature uh, folks who have always been used to life 1.0? Is there great, a different question? Um, besides remoteness or not, there is a gener generational gap. Mm -hmm. So when you establish a team, do consider the differences in generations of people have been brought up, right? Mm -hmm. How they have been educated, what their backgrounds are, what their belief systems are. And mm -hmm. belief systems of the younger people are just very different of the uh, what? Generation, uh, what is it, 1995, 2000, or a magnitude that now are getting out of universities step by step, right, at the age of 25. They're very different from colleagues in the age of 60. Just different. No better, no, just different. Um, that's the first thing. First, to recognize that there is just a, uh, a difference in, in the generational profile. That's one thing. Um, do I think that the youngsters are better at this? Not convinced. Not convinced. It's still about human interaction. Not through a game console. Not through WhatsApp messages. Uh, not through social media. But it's still about truly understanding each other, respecting other people's perspectives um learning from them communicating with them in a face-to-face -face. so the non-verbal communication um actually is a key thing will the youngsters be able to handle this yes they, they will but not if we say fully remote right yeah. i'm convinced about that so if we if we bring it in this what i call the 50 50 right mm -hmm. um I'm a Libra, by birth, right? Yeah, <laughs> excellent. If we're bringing in, it's roughly 50-50. In some yeah. cases, it can be a bit different, you know, in other cases, in cases, this will work better than that, to be seen. Um, but the personal interaction remains a key element of high-performing. Fantastic. Dimitri, thanks, man. And, um... I think we have can let go of the, all the Pareto 80-20. We'll introduce a new Dimitri Director's 50-50 rule, which can be applied to various different things. Dimitri, thanks again for uh, for joining today. It was a pleasure. Good luck with the DASA DevOps Coach Program. Keep us posted on that. And uh, I will uh, talk to you soon. Uh, thanks a lot and have a great day, man. Thanks. Thank you, Adam. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for listening to DevOps Voices with Dimitri Vandenbroek. If you enjoyed this and don't want to miss out on more engaging DevOps conversations, subscribe to DevOps Voices in your favorite app or visit devopsagileskills.org forward slash voices. Until next time.